Hello and welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers, podcast number 68. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. On this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to Vicki Carpenter and Vicki's story really is a love story. Uh, Vicki and I connected through the Deadhead community on social media, which is, you know, fairly common beginning to most of the deadheads that I meet and talk to on the podcast. But the reason I came to meet Vicki was last November, I saw the most beautiful video of her and her longtime love, Carp, get married at a dead show. It was so cool. Needless to say, I wanted to, you know, hear more and more about, you know, the backstory and the wedding and oh my goodness, she has so many amazing stories about, you know, all the magic. We get a chance to hear a little bit about, you know, what's coming up, which includes the Dead and Company Spring Summer Tour, which is uh, starting next week. Vicki and Carp and their Deadhead Tour family are doing a little get-together on June 21st, and this is going to be in Michigan, which is the halfway point between the Blossom Shows in Ohio and Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. So, you know, if you're on that beat and you're looking for a place to stop and camp and there's going to be vending and music and, you know, absolutely a guaranteed good time, uh, you should check it out. I'll uh, put a link on Stranger Stopping Strangers Facebook page with uh, more information about the Bus Stop Solstice Festival. On a logistical note, you know, I just want to add that my earphones that I've been using for the past 20 podcasts or so, uh, they broke. And so I went to look for new ones and, you know, I Googled, you know, high quality earphones with a microphone. And unfortunately, I guess everything on the internet is not true because I use these earphones for this podcast and Vicky sounds great, but my conversation is super muffled. And uh, so I was pretty bummed about that, but, you know, we had such a good conversation. I didn't want to do a whole do-over because of the muffledness. So uh, next episode, I will have new earphones and be back to clearer or maybe even clearer than before audio on my end. So anyways, thank you so much for stopping in and hope to see some of you guys out there on the spring summer tour and I will catch you on the podcast in a couple weeks. Well, Vicki, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Hey, Stacy. Hey. <laughs> Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to, to hear your full story. I know little bits of it, but to hear all of the uh, all of the fun stories that uh, that led us to this day and and share them and the music with the listeners here at Stranger Stopping Strangers. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, we definitely had huge outpouring of love from the Deadhead community, so I'm thrilled to be able to talk about that. You know, everybody feel more included and the events that, you know, led up to where we are today. Well, I'm going to be like one of those movies where you forward, backward, forward, backward for anyone. <laughs> for those yeah. So let's, let's kind of do like the where we are now, and then we'll do like the flashback back to what led up. So, I mean, you know, we met on social media as I meet so many people 
you know, obviously what caught my eye that made you not like other girls is, I mean, you got married at a dead show. Fucking phenomenal. So, yeah, share that like kind of a little bit with everyone. And then we'll go back and tell the stories that led up to uh, to where you are today. Yeah. So interesting story. So my husband, everybody calls him Carp. Uh, Brian Carpenter is his name. But, you know, Carp is uh, short for Carpenter. So he'll be known as Carp. From this point forward, <laughs> okay, we've been together. Well, this is our second round. Um, we dated on and off in the '90s and did some dead tours together and widespread panic shows. And then we were apart for about 12 years. And we'd been together, oh gosh, like six or seven years or so. And we decided to, to get engaged. And we have, you know, a dead family that we tour with. And we wanted them to be the first to know because obviously they were, you know, giving us lots of nudges of, you know, when is this going to happen and that sort of thing. So we sent them a group message. You know, we wanted you guys to be the first to know that we got engaged today. And it just so happened to be around the, the same day that Dead & Company had released the fall tour dates. And so one of our friends, she says, hey, why don't you guys get married at a dead show? And we were like, yeah, why don't we do that? Because, you know, we're both in our mid 40s. I never really felt like I wanted, you know, anything traditional. I never, you know, I couldn't imagine myself like in a white dress walking down an aisle in a church. I definitely knew I did not want to have any of the stress from, you know, picking out flowers and cake and seating arrangements and all of that stress. So when my girlfriend proposed that we get married at a dead show, we were like, well, yeah. And the stars just kind of aligned and everybody, um, you know, got together and we picked out a date, November 25th the Columbus show. Everybody, you know, was able to get time off and away from home and a pass from, you know, it being a holiday weekend. It was the Saturday right after Thanksgiving. So it just seemed like the perfect date and the perfect place to do it. I just really just wanted to throw on a tie-dye dress and show up and, and do the thing. So that's so <clears> awesome. <throat> so let me ask you, you have your family, friends, you know, the dead community family and friends, how many specific friends like came for this that would not have been at that show otherwise? Oh, gosh. So we were lucky enough, we were able to get everyone who was able or wanted to attend um, tickets in the pit area. And I would say I we probably had maybe four or five guests who don't typically tour with us or, you know, they like the dead, but definitely had not seen a dead and company show, you know, haven't really been to a dead concert since, you know, Jerry died in, in 95. So we were super excited having, yeah. you know, seen dead and company already to, you know, bring along some friends who had not seen Dead and Company yet and sort of, you know, reintroduced them to this new incarnation of the band. 
we're getting married here is definitely just like that next nudge over than just the compelling you gotta come see the show right more to a reason you know like now now yeah. you really have to come see the show because we're getting married so this is a we're anointing you into this, whether or not it's your own choice. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say we probably had, mm, off the top of my head, I think we probably had about 20 or so of our of our closest friends. So I mentioned, you know, that we had dated before in the 90s. And so we had people there with us who we've known, you know, since college, you know, since the 90s. And we would go to dead shows together or meet up at dead shows together, like back in the 90s. So it really felt like a great friends, dead family reunion. And then of course, you know, we had our hardcore dead family who we hardly miss a, you know, a dead and company show with currently. So that is so cool. Well, so now I'm thinking I'm as well, you listen to the podcast for anyone who's listening to this podcast. I mean, you know, we have some ideas about what we're going to play and what we're going to talk about. But I mean, it's all it's all very freelance and of the moment. So I'm kind of feeling like I'm trying to figure out how we should do this. Should we play maybe a song from the wedding and then we can come back from the song and go dip back into the 90s and work our way back up? Yeah, we could do that. I did want to throw in one significant thing about choosing our date on November 25th. So of course that was, you know, something that it just happened to be, you know, dad and company had released the fall tours and that November 25th was the date that just happened to work, you know, for our, for our dead tour family. And when we announced publicly our wedding date, we found out from Carp's sister that that was the same wedding date of his grandparents. So we had no idea. Like we honestly, I would have never chosen that date. It was two days after Thanksgiving, two days before my birthday. My birthday is November 27th. So, you know, personally, I would have never chosen that date had the, had dead and company not been playing. And so it's just one of those magical things where the stars aligned and we happened to be wed on the exact same day as Carp's grandparents and his grandmother was such a huge influence in his life. And so to be able to share the same anniversary is um, something that's really special to us. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's uh, so you didn't pick the date, the date picked you. right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So we have two songs from that show. We have a song that the dead and company played, you sent me a video of the crowd singing ripple and I transfer that over to audio. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a crowd recording. It's not going to be the clearest audio in the world, but it's, it's so beautiful to listen to. Should we play that and then go back into the nineties and then lead back up? Yes, let's do that. You know, I want to send like all of my love to everyone who was there, who participated, um, everyone in the pit section. It was um, right after we exchanged our wedding vows. So it was technically, uh, you know, our first dance as a couple. And it was one of those things where you never really know how that's going, you know, how that's going to go, you know, like, are people going to like participate or is it just going to be like our couple of friends, you know, if my words did glow, you know, but actually, it actually spread throughout almost, you know, throughout almost the entire arena. We had messages 
from people who said we were in the upper level and we saw your wedding taking place and we sang ripple at the top of our lungs. And I mean, I could just just really like my heart is so full from hearing that. And I just like to share with everybody that after that happened and then going home and, and watching the rewatching the video, it brought my husband, it, it brought Carp to tears. I mean, he, he teared up. And so we just really want to send all of our love and all of our appreciation to everyone who participated in that. It truly is a historical moment in, you know, in deadhead history and, you know, amongst the community and just a testament to, you know, the positivity that this community has for one another and the, you know, how we uplift each other. Absolutely. Well, let's have that be the first music on today's podcast. And then when we come back, we're going to, we're going to take our time machine back into the nineties and then we'll work our way back up to 2018. So I'm going to go and play the audience recording of Ripple from November 25th, 2017 at the intermission of the Dead and Company show in Columbus, Ohio. And we can hear all of the, the love and the songs that fill in the air.
So back from listening to Ripple on November 25th in Columbus, Ohio at the Dead & Company show. I'm going to go back, right? I mean, that story of, you know, why we met in the first place. But I mean, it's definitely not where your story begins and Carp's story begins. I mean, that was a, you know, a lot more recent history. Tell everyone a little bit about, you know, the beginning days and, you know, where you grew up and how you, uh, how you got into this crazy scene in the first place. Yeah. So I actually grew up um, right down the road from Deer Creek. I uh, remember before Deer Creek even existed, it was just a big open field. And uh, gosh, I even remember uh, a lot of the farmers around the area were uh, really in protest of uh, Deer Creek Amphitheater coming, concerned about noise pollution. And Obviously, it's uh, turned out to be uh, really lucrative for the area. Um, if anyone has gone back to Deer Creek since the 90s, you can see how much that area has exploded. Um, because when I was growing up there, you know, we were mostly a farming community. We had uh, no stoplights, uh, gravel roads. We used to um, park our cars and... Um, cut through the cornfields to make our way into the back of Deer Creek Amphitheater. Wow. My first experience with the dead, um, it must have been 89 was the first year that they played there. You know, I had seen um, a Grateful Dead video on like VH1 and, you know, I thought they were bad. It was like touch of gray and, you know, I thought they were like, heavy metal type of music, you know, with the skeletons and then of course being like the grateful dead. So when they came to our town, you know, friends had older siblings who were into the dead and it just kind of was the thing to do that summer. Like, you know, it was, you got to go out to Deer Creek. You got to see the grateful dead. So I didn't actually have tickets um, for that first show, but, you know, I tagged along with a bunch of friends uh, to see, you know, what this was all about. I was just mesmerized by the whole community, the whole culture. I have a clear memory of this girl that I sat down with and she was giving me a hair wrap, which I had never heard of, but I thought it looked really cool. And, you know, she was talking with me about how, you know, she followed the band around and she, you know, lived on a bus and she made her way from show to show by, you know, giving hair wraps. And when she wasn't following the band, she worked on a blueberry farm in Vermont. And I was probably only like 14 or, you know, 14-ish or so. And being in the country, I had no idea that there was this whole other way of life. You know, I mean, we were pretty sheltered there in, in Fishers, Indiana back then. So I was just completely mesmerized and I was hooked right away. Like something just opened my gypsy soul that day. And (laughs) (laughs) I would say that I've been a deadhead from that, you know, from that moment on. Obviously the next year, you know, I made a point to get tickets and, you know, growing up right by Deer Creek, it was always, you know, a big event when tickets would go on sale, we would all, you know, drive over to Deer Creek and wait in line at, you know, actually at the venue 
um, for them to open their ticket box office. And, you know, that was always a huge event, meeting people coming from Ohio and Kentucky and Illinois and standing in line and, you know, people playing their guitars or drums and, you know, so it was almost, you know, as exciting as, as an actual show, you know, waiting in line to get tickets for the show. So, so fun. So that began my deadhead journey. And so as I got a little older, my, um, my parents, for some reason, um, you know, trusted me. And I think, you know, around like junior, senior year of high school, they started letting me, you know, go, you know, out of state and to start seeing more and more shows. So I would go to Buckeye Lake and Chicago and do some on the East Coast and, you know, that sort of thing. And then by the time that I graduated high school, I I went up to Purdue University, and that's where I met CARP. We, uh, the university had kind of a small little, like, deadhead scene on campus, you know, people who followed the dead and we had a jam band that played at one of the local bars, you know, on campus. And so that's actually where I met Carp. And we had the same group of friends and we would, you know, go to shows together, um, you know, with groups of friends. Dated on and off, you know, through through the 90s. And that was always definitely something that kept us connected, you know, going to dead shows and widespread panic shows. and music festivals and just, you know, being in that hippie scene at the universities. Oh, it's so fun. I mean, just to be young and to be free and to, you know, to be able to in college, you're studying and you're doing all of those kind of things. I mean, I think back to, you know, those times and that the saying that the youth is wasted on the young. And I remember being young and people saying that and just being so eye rolly about it, you know, like, and now I look back and it's like, oh, my goodness, to, to have, you know, those firsts and to have the opportunity to travel. I know you're friends with the guys that were uh, my guests last week, the Smart Traveled, and, you know, hearing, yeah. their, hearing their plans and their chores and putting yourself back into your 20s. And I mean, it's just it's so cool. It's so cool to be able to have that connection tangibly now to those free spirited feelings back then, you know. Oh, I love it. And I think that's why I have such an affection for, you know, the, for the smart traveled kids is because, you know, there's something they remind me so much of like what we were doing in our early twenties. And, you know, in 1995, after Jerry died, there was, you know, a long period, a, you know, a really long period where you, you felt like, what am I going to do? You know, like this whole way of life that, you know, I've been living is is over and almost feeling like it's you know lost yeah yeah and so to see this revival and to see people 20 years younger than us you know doing these same things it just fills me with so much hope and it it really makes me feel like, you know, all of this is meant to be, you know, no matter, you know, what the incarnation of the band is, it's actually, it's the songs, it's the message in the songs. Um, they're timeless. You know, yeah. They're, they're no. timeless. Absolutely. I was just speaking with somebody the other day and we were talking about you know, different bands and lyrics and, and the music grabbing us. And I'm like, you know, the thing with some of the other bands, it's to me, the lyrics are like, they are the closest thing to religion that I have, 
you know, I, I agree. Actually, I was talking to my daughter yesterday, who's, you know, eight and a half, and she was in that religion had come up and she had said some kid at school had told her that when she bled, that that meant it was God making her bleed or something, something really bizarre. In my opinion, no, no disrespect <laughs> to anybody who's listening to the podcast. No, who I'm, I'm that laughing. When I'm, you I'm, bleed, that's God. I, I don't know. I was like, well, you know, it's not really my anatomy. feeling. That's called yeah, anatomy. Yeah, it's like, you know. <laughs> I don't science. Know this, right, this little boy. Like, I don't want to knock him. Like, I don't know this kid or his family or anything. And so I truly believe to each their own. And whatever you believe, if it makes you a better person, then go for it. You know, who am I to judge somebody else's belief when I don't want anyone judging mine? So whatever, it's, I bet I don't agree necessarily with the beliefs and, but that's okay. And I feel like as, you know, a mom and, you know, you kind of, ha- I feel like it's my responsibility with these people to kind of lay out all the different, you know, options or thoughts or whatever. So she's just kind of getting to that point. So I said, you know, and actually this isn't even the Grateful Dead because it, to me, Ripple is or Uncle John's band, or, I mean, some of these lyrics and some of these thoughts I mean are the closest thing to scripture that you know I can follow in my life and not the Grateful Dead but just as far as a song that is you know really near and dear to my husband and myself is Imagine. Well I I don't think that it's any coincidence that um, so many people refer to going to dead shows as going to church. Oh, so absolutely. I think I don't think that that's, you know, any coincidence. I, so no, it's the closest thing that we have. And and so I played her imagine on her way back home from the baseball game. And I mm-hmm. said, if anybody asks, you know, what our religion is, you say that, you know, mom and dad belong to the Church of John Lennon. You know, imagine all the people living life in peace. I feel like maybe she heard me. I think when I start talking about the Grateful Dead, my family just immediately tunes out at this point. <laughs> and it's just like, wah, wah, wah. It's like Charlie Brown's parents, wah, 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 wah. But if I can bring up like a George Harrison or a John Lennon or, you know, like some other really amazing song. Something a little more safe. <laughs> right. But I mean, I don't, you know, I think it is just, again, the the, the lyrics of life and, you know, the believing in peace. And, and, and I think that that's so important. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, imagine if I had to, you know, call like a top 10, top 20 lyrical masterpieces of all times, so I'll give it to imagine in there. Absolutely. You know, it's um, something I'm really happy to identify with as, our religion <laughs> over here, you know, so, but uh, yeah, it is so beautiful and it is so fun seeing it being continued and seeing everybody showing up to church and, you know, singing along and yeah, it's really special and it's it's like no other for sure. I agree. I and mean, it definitely is. Um, it definitely is our religion. Absolutely. So we're in Deer Creek. We're in the Midwest. It's in the 90s. And you did pick a song from one of the shows. So I want to hear a little bit about um, that show from 1993. And then we will play the song and then move along with with your stories. Yeah. So Carp and I chose um, High Time. Um, and we chose from Deer Creek because, you know, that's that's our home base that, you know, we're both from Indiana. And so Deer Creek was our, you know, our home show. Um, spent so many years with our bare feet in the lawn, dancing away. But the song High Time, over the years, you know, I was in the 90s. It was a great song. I love it. Nobody can deny that it is a really heart-touching love song. However, I don't 
necessarily think that it was so um, important to us in the 90s, you know, when we were kind of dating on and off and dead touring together. It was a song that really became um, personal to us when we reconnected in 2010. And, um, you know, like I said, had dated, I think around like 1996 or so. Um, I left the Lafayette area, which is where Purdue University is. And, you know, with my little gypsy soul there, I took off all the way down to New Orleans. And we didn't see each other or tell, you know, lost communication um, really until like 2010. I think there might have been a time or two, you know, in between there that, you know, we saw each other you know, at a friend's funeral or something. But, you know, at that time, you know, Carp was, um, you know, married and I was in a long term relationship. And so, you know, nothing was happening then between the two of us. And so, the lyrics to that song, I mean, I honestly, I feel like, and I, I won't do it here to save for time, but I could go, you know, through lyric by lyric and tell you the significance of how that played, you know, the lyrics in that song played out and, and applied to our lives. But probably the most important one is, is the opening lyric, you know, where they say, you told me goodbye how was I to know? You didn't mean goodbye. You meant, please don't let me go. And that really sums up, you know, our, our journey together. When we were running around together in our 20s, we had so much chemistry between the two of us. But, you know, life is about timing, you know, right person, wrong time, you know, because I took off you know, when I left, it was really kind of one of those situations where, you know, we said goodbye, but we really meant, you know, please don't let me go. And then, you know, kind of rolling into the next line, you know, where he says, you know, I was having a high time living the good life. I mean, I was down in New Orleans. I was having a high time. I was living the good life. The good life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, each one of the lyrics in that song really does touch us personally, and it really does, you know, apply to our journey together. Things like, no one to fight, I came to you. We had both, you know, at the time that we reconnected, we had both come out of bad relationships that obviously didn't work out. You know, the wheels were muddy, got a ton of hay. You know, coming out of those relationships, you know, when you come out of a bad relationship, you kind of feel oh, yeah. lower self-esteem about yourself. You kind of feel like a failure, you know, that that sort of thing. And I came to you, you know, and we we came back together when the first time that we saw one another again in 2010 and the first time that we embraced I mean all of the same chemistry was still there I felt like I felt like my life was complete like I had my very best friend and my partner in crime back and I just knew that everything was going to be okay oh that's so beautiful <laughs> I just got the goosebumps hearing the story oh well, I want to hear the song and I want to like listen to the song lyric by lyric now. I feel so lucky to get to just have so many, so many different perspectives on the songs that it's just really 
you know, I feel like by sharing the stories and the songs, it makes people listen to the songs and look at the songs and, and, and apply them to such different times in their lives. While High Time is, you know, a, a song I, I like, it's never really been anything that I've really identified to, to my personal experiences. So I'm excited to, to hear it and then to kind of, you know, like have it transcribed, you know? Yeah. Well, let's go back. Let's go throw us back to Deer Creek, June 22nd, 1993. So let's go have us a high time and then we will come back with the romance part two. Thank you. 
back from 1993 and I am going to fast forward our conversation back to you know where we started which is November of uh, 2017 because high time you know is story of our journey yeah it's the story of your journey and so now you're you know back at this incredible part of your journey so um we're living the good life having a high time (laughs) yeah just a different version of it yes uh, from the uh, single in your, you know, in your 20s in New Orleans to uh, yes. a kind of high time, you know, enjoying, you know, domesticity together. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, Car- I said to Carp was, you know, we could live us a good life having a high time. So here we are. <laughs> That's so awesome. We just heard that. So let's go forward back and hear a little bit more about back in November. And you have invited friends and this is all coming together really special and rather than flowers and cake and all that shit the only thing that probably really mattered was the music right like yes <laughs> we had a great band we definitely we had a great band all the money went into the music all yes. the money went into the music oh that's awesome so i bet hearing high time would have been off the charts yes and so we actually had an opportunity where we were asked what song we would like to hear at that show, at, at our wedding show. And so, of course, we say high time, personal Why? song for us. And as you know, that show was on um, the Saturday right after Thanksgiving. So we're driving home Thursday night from, th- you know, from Thanksgiving dinner, and we get a text saying, you know, something to the effect that, um, you know, the band, ca- the band can't play high time. I think it's one, um, for whatever reason, you know, they hadn't rehearsed it together yet. You know, they've never played it together yet, but for whatever the reason, they weren't able to play high time at our wedding show. And then the next text comes in and says, so I need another song ASAP. And we're of course like, in the car, you know, driving home, kind of feeling put on the spot and like, um, I don't know, you know, and we're looking at each other like, oh, you know, what's our next song? We don't know. You know, we have so many favorites, you know, what could it be? 
So we ended up just saying, well, surprise us. And wow, did we ever get a surprise? I mean, when the first notes in the second set, you know, it was during the second set. And when the first notes of If I Had the World Give, you know, came from Bobby's guitar, came from John's guitar. Oh, my gosh. We knew. We knew then that that was the surprise. And there is no way in the world that we could have ever come up with that ourselves. No, no. And it's so, it's so perfect and beautiful. And it's so perfect. And it's so beautiful. And, I mean, I cried. I cried. And, you know, we embraced and, you know, we danced together to that song and we just knew that that song was for us and you know then knowing that they had not played that song since 1978 they've only played it three times O'Teal yeah huge O'Teal fans um I personally think that he could um you know kind of start taking over a number of the Jerry ballads he has a perfect pitch and the perfect tone so to have O'Teal singing if I had the world to give we just knew we just knew melted melted big 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 pile of big pile of a tie-dye pool of love happening right there in the middle of the pit just a melty melty uh melty group of uh of friends and family and yeah and everyone around us you know everyone around us knew too we had you know several people pull out you know camera phones you know, recording the song and, you know, getting us in the frame, dancing to that song together. And I'll never forget that moment. And I'm really so thankful. It, we could have never planned that. I, I mean, the entire wedding, there was no way everything that went, everything that happened, you know, from, from the crowd, you know, serenading us with Ripple to if I had the world to give to the band encoring an acoustic Ripple you know, at the end of that show, it was, you know, every, every girl dreams, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of their wedding. And mine was something that I could have never dreamed up on my own. And it all just happened so organically. Oh, it's so special. So beautiful. I can't, I've never heard of a story quite like it. You know, I mean, the 67 podcasts in and when I talk to offers, you know, what their stories are and, and what is special and meaningful. And and I think we can, I think that's what's so fun about getting to talk to all the different people is getting to hear the similarities and the differences, right? There's mm-hmm. everybody, I feel like there's this core to, you know, what you were talking about when you went to Deer Creek and you met the girl who's doing the hair wrap and just the, that immediate sense of, you know, embracing and family. And I feel like that, that sentiment, that core feeling of, wow, I've, you know, I've, I've met this, this, these people and, and we're all kind of looking for the same thing. And, you know, we may not connect with everyone. I mean, it's not utopia. I mean, Jesus, being on social media these days, I mean, you know, the human condition, you know, comes out when you have any group of people, you know, Yes. you know, and let's not forget the Hell's Angels were part of that group. So, you know, I mean, there is that, you know, spirited association that goes with, you know, being a a deadhead and 
and living with kindness and but yeah but your story as far as bringing it home to you know your marriage and your life and, and the community it's um it's just so beautiful and the song and yeah i'm really stoked to hear and really it. none of it you know none of it wouldn't ha- have happened if it weren't for you know the deadhead community and especially especially after so we did you know we've we had the Facebook video, the Facebook live video of our wedding. And even that, like, I was not quite sure I wanted to do that. We had been in a, um, oh, like a little, like a Facebook group that, you know, people were like couch touring together, you know, so couch tours is something new, you know, for, for deadheads, you know, in this vitalization. Our modern day. Yes, our modern day, our modern day tour, you know, couch tour. And that's actually kind of how it started. You know, we had been chatting with people about, you know, people in the couch tour group knew that we were going to be getting married and Everybody wanted to see it. And so initially I was, we were just going to post it in that particular couch tour group, but I'm not like the, I had never used Facebook live before. And so I didn't quite understand how it worked. You know, I gave my phone to, you know, one of our friends who was in attendance at the wedding. And I was like, all right, you know, I think you do this and this. And it happened to just be like live public on personal Facebook page instead of, you know, just being in that private couch tour group. So that was a complete accident that it would, that it went public, you know, like that. And we had somewhere close to like around 15,000 views over the course of like a week or so of people. We had so many people reach out to us in comments through privately through Facebook Messenger. And I mean, the comments, like we had people saying, I watched your video and it brought me to tears. We, you know, we inspired one person to, you know, propose to his girlfriend. He had been thinking about it, our wedding video, and was so touched that he decided to propose to his girlfriend. We had... Well, they're not strangers now, but, you know, like the name of your podcast, Strangers Stopping Strangers, just to shake their hands. I cannot tell you how completely true that is about this deadhead community, because we had strangers reaching out to us and say, you know, we want to I want to send you a gift. I do this particular type of art or, you know, I'm skilled at this and I really want to send you. I was so touched. I really want to send you something. It's nothing so we you can had register for, right? Like nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, what did you I register for? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got 50, uh, 50 patches, 120 stickers. And, uh, yes. we got, yeah, like, well, what was on the registry list? Well, we got, we got some t-shirts. Some we got tie-dye t-shirts from, um, Richard Young at crazy tie-dye guy. He reached out to us. He had seen our, he was at the Columbus show up in the, you know, up in the stands and he could see our wedding from his seats above and sent us matching tie dyes. We had Steve Dubensky from um, Grateful Sweats sent us, um, he sent us the um, t-shirts with a set list art. Like we got like number two and three out of, you know, the limited edition with the set list art from um, Joey Baker. We've had 
people send us original art. So like Ruben Perez, you know, sent us some, some original art. We've gotten stickers from Ohio Grateful Dead family. You know, being at our wow. wedding was in Columbus. We've wow. gotten stickers well, from No Simple Road. I mean, just, uh, that's just to name a few. I think um, Holly from Dead Talk sent me like one of my most favorite rose quartz. It's actually, I placed it in front of our framed wedding picture because it's so beautiful and, you know, rose quartz symbolizes loves. I mean, just. If anybody, you know, ever wondered, you know, what is this deadhead community about? That's exactly it. The outpouring of love and positive vibes and encouragement from people that we had never met before. And, you know, some people we have met now and, you know, we still have people yet to meet. So. I think I've personally have mailed out, we had stickers printed up that we passed out in the pit, like during our wedding. And afterwards, when we got home, I think that I've probably mailed out, I had to order more because I've mailed out probably over a hundred stickers to various people. So, oh, I saw your wedding and I didn't get a sticker. And so I'm like, yes, let's get you a sticker. So... Yeah, how everybody just comes to the table with, you know, with what they come to the table with. And it's it's also personal and different, whether it's the stickers or the courts or, you know, recordings of the music or videos of seeing it or uh, me talking to you and sharing the story through the podcast. Yeah, whatever. It's like whatever bring to the table we want to bring to the table to share amongst the others and and, and share what our connection is. And that is just so evident. Fucking awesome. So cool. Yes. Well, let's go hear it. This is the this is the debut bust out first time ever of O'Teal singing If I Had the World to Give. And this is so beautiful on November twenty-fifth, two thousand seventeen. Thank you. 
now back from listening to If I Had the World to Give. And we have one more song. So this is uh, this was supposed to be the end of the fall tour going down to New Orleans and Florida. But alas, John's appendix did not last. So we are now in 2018. Were you, were you going to the New Orleans shows? Well, so funny story. Um, we did actually go to that first show in New Orleans in December. You know, I had mentioned before um, when I took off from Indiana, I made my way down to New Orleans. And I was there from like 1997 until, until Katrina. And so it's a very special city for me. And, you know, even though I'll never live there again, it always feels like home. And so funny story, how we ended up going in December the first time we, um, we were in that couch tour, you know, we, we had just been married. We're still feeling all high and glowy from our wedding. And, you know, we're chatting with in the couch tour. I think that we were listening to uh, or watching whatever the show was like right after Columbus. Was that like Austin or Anto or something like that? You know how it is when you go to a dead show, you you need to go to another one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's like, like eating Pringles, right? Yes, There's never enough. Yeah, yes, you never you're never exactly. really done. You're never really done. For so sure. we I said, let's see if they have tickets still for New Orleans and let's look at flights. I'd lived there for so long. I have plenty of people we can stay with, friends I want to see anyway. It's never a bad decision to go back and visit my old home, New Orleans. So well, maybe sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not until you're in the thick of it. Not yes, exactly. It. So tickets were still available and flights were incredibly cheap. So of course we went and we didn't find out about the appendix and the show being canceled until um, we got off the plane. And of course we thought it was a joke and it wasn't. So we only, so we ended up just two days down there in New Orleans. And um, when they announced that the shows were being rescheduled, it just so happened that the rest of our tour family was able to go as well. So it turned out to be really great because the first time that we went down to New Orleans, it was just the two of us, which was nice. It was kind of like a little like, you know, pre-honeymoon. It's always better to see shows with your tour family. And so it happened to work out that um, most of the people who we tour with were able to take off and go to that New Orleans show as well. So we booked our tickets and we actually ended up spending like a week. You know, we had more time to spend down there. Lots of fun. And the reason that we picked um, Sugary with uh, featuring uh, George Porter Jr. for our next song at that New Orleans show was, well, A, because I had lived down there for so long. And so I had a lot of opportunities to see him, you know, when he was playing with the meters. Always one of my most favorite musicians. He plays at a lot of like the smaller kind of local bars there. And of course, we had no idea then that he would be taking the stage with with Dead and Company as well. However, we had um, tickets for the Friday, so the show was on a Saturday. We had tickets for a for the Friday night. Be- Jamming on tie dye guys were throwing this great benefit, this charity event for a cause that. Really close to my heart. Um, it was for the New Orleans Musicians Clinic. 
and they're a not-for-profit organization that provides um, health services for the local musicians in New Orleans. Because oftentimes, you know, musicians, you don't have access to health insurance like you would if you, you know, worked for a corporation. So oh, yeah. they're so they're a not-for-profit organization that comes in and, and fills that gap. So providing the local musicians with um, health and wellness services. We decided to go out, you know, decided to go down to the Howlin Wolf local hot spot there and and support this, um, you know, this great cause, this great charity cause and support, you know, jamming on tie-dye. Really big fan of everything they do. And man, did they throw a party. It was so much fun. And, you know, it was kind of a intimate little, you know, it was you know, it's kind of small, kind of a little intimate show there. And Othiel, um walked in the fashion show, you know, along with George Aww. Porter and um, Eddie McFadden and Papa Mally and lots of the local New Orleans musicians, you know, took part in the fashion show. If nobody's familiar with what Jammin' on Tie-Dye is doing in their new line, they got Licensing from uh, Grateful Dead Merchandise, and they are throwing out, they are creating some really awesome tour apparel. So if anyone gets a chance, check that out for sure. All right. Well, let's uh, well let's go back. Let's into this sugary from Nolens on February 24th, 2018 with the fantastic George Porter playing in on it. And then we're going to come back and say a little goodbye.
wrap it up here. And so summer tour right around the corner. And when we were yes. chatting, yeah, I mean, I, I would love, love, love to see you with Kelly Knott. I'm still kind of holding out for a possibility of Colorado, but you've got like a fun tour party going on, which I will post on social media. So tell everyone a little bit about that. Yeah. So the Lawrences, some part of our tour family, they have acquired this really great property in Michigan, horse farm there, some rolling hills in, in the apple orchard and grapevine country. Um, so very picturesque there. So we're doing um, an RV from um, Blossom. And we'll truck on up to Alpine with that. And there's a day in between Blossom and the Alpine shows. And it just so happens to be the summer solstice. So what do you do for summer solstice when you have a day off between shows? You throw a bus stop solstice fast. So um, we'd like to throw it out there and I'll provide you with the link for the Facebook event page. Um, so anyone who would like to come, it's um, $20. We'll reserve your spot. We're doing overnight camping and venting is allowed. And we're right there. It works out perfectly right on the route, really, from Blossom to Alpine, about ha- you know, about the halfway point. So if anyone is, you know, coming, you know, coming from that direction and they want to get together with um, other heads for a big summer solstice festival, we are having a dead tribute band play that evening, Fillmore's Ladder, and it's going to be June 21st, 2018, and it's the Bus Stop Solstice Fest, and it's hosted by our tour family. And we're really excited. We've got some great music. We'll have vending. We'll have camping. Anyone is welcome. And I will get that link up for you. Well, that sounds fucking awesome. I wish I could be there. But alas, I won't. But next year, maybe, right? I mean, there's uh, there's always fingers crossed that it's just going to keep on going and going and going. And we're going to get to do more and more and more fun stuff. So. I think that, you know, in regards to Dead and Company, I think we're just seeing the beginning. I think we've got a lot of years of of tour planning ahead, for sure. Absolutely. Well, without love and the dream, it will never come true. So I think we all just need to love, love, love and, and, uh, and keep on dancing, right? Yeah. Yeah, we threw in two lyrics at once. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and to share the stories with uh, everyone who's listening and um i'm really excited to 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 listen to the to re-listen to the story because i mean we met you know via the wedding and now we're friends and we talk and we text and we're gonna you know meet up sooner than later and um and it's just awesome and we're going to new orleans together sometime and we're going to new orleans absolutely (laughs) all right girl well thank you so much and uh bye Stopping strangers
podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at DopeHistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.